I want to thank you personally for uh, the privilege of coming to the mission and I didn't want to miss tonight. I had Craig on standby and want to thank our brother for that. Uh, he also agreed to drive me here even though he isn't preaching. He has a sermon with him and it may have been a better sermon than mine so I should have had a look at it before I came. I didn't even ask him what the text was in case the two of us maybe had the same thoughts. You never know. But uh, we trust the Lord will bless his word to your heart tonight. Despite the fact that it's going to be preached in human weakness, I trust it will be in the power and demonstration Amen. of the Spirit of the living God. I want to thank Victoria for her ministry yes. in song. I was at a praise service a few months ago over in Portadown. It was a brilliant night and Victoria was ministering as well. And we certainly enjoyed those messages and the ministry to our hearts. It's good to see young people on a Friday night, not only in the house of God, but singing a hymn like that. Amen. I'd rather oh, Jesus. have Jesus than anything. Yes. And I was blessed whenever yes. I thought of a young person on a Friday night. Mm. Now, Friday nights are young people's night. Uh, my own children said to me, and if I said, and when you're out, be in before 12, here's what they say, God, it's Friday night, you know. But when I think about that every single night, they're not in before 12, some of them. <laughs> Never mind about Friday night, but it's the weekend, and we know all what goes on, but it's good to have young people in the house of God. And we thank the Lord for his hand upon these individuals. We trust the Lord will richly bless them, encourage them, not only to be in the house, but to minister in song as well. Let me just add to the words of welcome that you have received. And I know you've been warmly welcomed by the folks here. And for those who have been visiting, I know the folks in Carrie Duff have made you very welcome. And we just want to underscore and we want to emphasize just how glad we are to see you. And if it's your first time in tonight, we warmly welcome you in the Saviour's name. And if you've been back on occasions, we're glad to see you. And for some folks who have hardly missed a single night in this gospel mission, I thank you sincerely. And then, of course, we are not unmindful of those who meet with us in the prayer room half an hour before the service. Uh, those prayer times have been blessed. I feel the Spirit of God has been there. The Lord has given to us something we, we don't possess naturally, right. and that is the spirit of believing prayer. Amen. And if you haven't been able to get to the prayer meetings, if you could just come along, you don't have to come at half seven. If you want just to nip in at about 20 minutes to eight or quarter to eight or even 10 to eight, even five to uh, the meetings don't stop till about a minute to eight o'clock. So if we could get in, I believe they'll bless your soul mm. and I believe the Lord will minister to you even through just hearing how God's people are praying for this mission and how God is burdening their hearts for folks around this area. And I trust the Lord will richly bless us this evening. If you have your Bible with you, we're turning to Luke's Gospel, chapter 15. Those painkillers have dried my mouth up as well. So the next thing you'll be hearing me sticking through my tooth when you get here. And remember John Dummigan did that, but he had false teeth in and I was afraid of them come flying out in the front row. But uh, I'll be drinking a bit of water here. Full litre of it's near gone. Excuse me. Don't usually do that. So it's a bit unusual. Luke chapter 15. This is a tremendous chapter. I want to break in at the chapter at verse 8, please. Luke chapter 15 and the verse 8. We'll just read a few verses together. Luke chapter 15, verse 8, let us hear the word of the Lord. <coughs> Either what woman having ten pieces of silver, 
if she lose one piece, doth not light a candle and sweep the house and seek diligently till she find it. And when she hath found it, she calleth her friends and her neighbours together, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the peace which I had lost. Likewise I say unto you, There is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repenteth. Amen. We'll end our reading there Amen. at the verse 10, a brief but public reading from God's own precious word, which we know he will bless to all of our hearts. Let's keep our Bibles open, please. And we'll ask the Lord for his blessing upon the preaching of the gospel. Father in heaven, we thank thee tonight for a sense of thy presence. We thank thee, Lord, for the time of prayer we've had together in the little room. Yes, we thank Lord. thee too, Lord, for the service here in this house. We thank thee for the ministry and song, the congregational singing of these hymns, the offering of prayer. We thank thee, Lord, for thy word. And we pray, Lord, as we have read from James and now from the book of Luke, that thy word will be precious to each one of us. Amen. We know that the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Amen. And we pray Lord. that thou would send rain, the rain of revival, yes, into these Lord. meetings, Lord. Touch yes, our hearts, Lord. bless our souls, Lord. Yes. Cover us beneath the blood, defeat the devil. Lord. God grant that thy spirit will work in this house. Yes. Thy word would have free course. We pray, Lord, that Christ mm. will be exalted. Mm. So to this end. I ask thee personally for cleansing. I pray for the touch of God upon yes. the physical frame. And in human weakness, O God, enable me to sow thy word well. Help me, Lord, now by filling me with thy spirit. Take me out of myself. Come, Lord, and answer prayer. Bless thy word and an answer now to prayer. Save the lost. Restore the backslidden. Revive the church. And, Father, glorify thy Son. We ask these things believing. In Jesus' precious and worthy name. Amen. Amen. I don't know if you've ever lost something precious in your life. I'm sure you can reflect upon times whenever you've lost maybe money. I remember as a young person, my father, who was an alcoholic, he used to send me out and about the place to collect lemonade bottles. Now, when you got those lemonade bottles, you returned them to the shop again and you got 10 pence. And my father said to me, you collect me enough of those bottles and then whenever you collect them, go down to the shop, get the money off them and buy me cigarettes. And I had to do that. And whenever the riots started in Lurgan, the Catholic and Protestant end, they were throwing lemonade bottles at each other. And I thought, there's 10 pence, there's 10 pence, just flying about, smashing on the ground. And I thought to myself, if I only had them. Now, I'm sure there's things in your life that were precious to you and you've lost them. Now, I'm a person, if I lose anything, I search and search and never give up. I would stay literally all night up. I lost my brand new camcorder not too long ago. And I searched our house high and low for days. And I would not rest and I couldn't find it. I sent my car in to get fixed. And the man said to me, where's the little nut to take, take one of the wheels off? I says, it's in the glove compartment. He says, yes, I've got it. It's beside the wee camcorder. I says, what? <laughs> You're kidding me. I says, I've searched for weeks for that camcorder. I knew I'd put it somewhere, but I didn't realize it wasn't in the house. Now, I lost my wee boy one day. Let me tell you, this is a true story. 
I was in Bow Street Mall. Now, my three boys, I taught them their name and I taught them their address and their telephone number from they were two and three years of age for I was sure they'd get lost. I was sure they're as wild as March hers, the three of them. And it's their mother's side, the Thompson side, that has come out in them. But I'll tell you this. I was in Bow Street Mall in Lisburn. Any of you know it? It's a big shopping mall. Dunn Stores. And in Dunn Stores, the woman was making one of the beds for show. Lovely duvet. Lovely pillow. And she was admiring it all. And my young boy, Samuel, came down the shop, saw what he thought was a trampoline. And he started to bounce up and down on this single bed. And as I was coming down the shop, just on the shelves, I could see his face coming up and down. And in my sweet Northern Ireland accent, I says, Oi, get off that bed. And so he did. He run up the aisle of that shop. And I raced up and I thought I was faster than him. June will this out, for she was in the shop with me. And I ran round the corner to grab him. And he wasn't there. And I thought, oh, he's gone round the other way. So I searched down the other aisles, couldn't find him. I walked round the entire shop and done stores and I couldn't find him. I met my wife and if a man panics, a woman's going to panic even more. And I says, June, did you see Samuel? She said, yes, I saw him. He was bouncing on that bed. I says, I know. I told him to get off it in the sweet Northern Ireland accent. And I says, I can't find him. Roughly about 10 minutes and then it began to really dawn on me. Where is he? For I'd heard of two children that had been abducted and brought into the toilets in the Buttercrane Centre, I think it is in Uri, and how they closed the entire shop. And those two young girls were in the found in the men's toilets. Their clothes were changed into jeans and their hair had been cut short. And when I thought, oh no, panic set into me. And over the tannoy system, came this voice with the parents of Samuel David Martin. And I knew I taught them well. <laughs> 13 lady in court, Lisburn. Oh, two, eight, nine, two. And I come to security. And I went to the far end of the mall. And there was a security officer standing with Samuel in his hand. And he says, there's your son back. What had happened? He had beaten me up the aisle. I wasn't as fast as I thought I was. He had gotten out of the shop and I lost him. And when we got him back to this day, Samuel always clings close to his mum and his dad. Well, let me tell you, if you think you've lost a son, here's something more precious. I lost my wife one time, you know. <laughs> you say that's a, good, that's a good thing. If she's got your credit card, it's not. We were over in Eastbourne in England. We were on the Truth For Youth holiday. And uh, we were out shopping. We are in Littlewood's uh, uh, store and uh, we were just in shopping around and my wife says I need to use the ladies toilet so off she went there was a bit of a queue I just dattered around the shop as men do looking busy bored to tears and I waited and waited and no sign of June and over the tannoy system this is true in England in Eastbourne in Littlewood store never forget it to the day I die came this voice would Thomas Martin come to customer service? I went, what is June playing at? Now, I tell you the truth. It's as if the whole store was looking at me. And my face went bright red. 
and I lifted this is true, a pot plant off the shelf and that all I was interested in and I looked round to see if anybody was looking. I set it back again. I went up to customer services and there was a lady standing and I says, excuse me, you called me? And she says, who are you? I says, I'm Thomas Martin. She said, no, 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 Thomas Martin's the store manager and we had called him. <laughs> I went, what? <laughs> so I went back again. And that's a true story, folks. That is a true story. I went back again and there was June coming out of the ladies' toilets. And she says, what's wrong with you? Because that's all flustered. He's me out of this shop now, June. And I'll tell you what's wrong with me. Now, you know what it's like if you have lost... If you have lost something precious, sorry, June, I didn't want me to tell that story. <laughs> but I was glad to get her back again. And I've tried to lose her. I've tried to lose her. You know, I was thinking when I did lose her, I was thinking of writing a letter to the police to tell her that I'd lost her. <laughs> I'm only jesting. But you know, when you lose something precious, you will search for it until you find it. But what is this chapter all about? It's about lost things. Things that were precious. Things that were lost. Things that were sought. And things that were found. We have in this chapter the lost sheep. We have in this chapter the lost silver. And we have in this beautiful chapter the lost son. And these parables in Luke chapter 15. They make this chapter a very special passage for evangelism. Bishop J.C. Ryle, the godly bishop of Liverpool, said, I quote, Few chapters have done more good to the souls of men other than Luke chapter 15. Furthermore, many an evangelist, myself included, we have often resorted to this chapter to assist us in preaching and in evangelism. How many times we have prayed over these very parables, these stories about the lost sheep. We have thought about the lost coin. We have certainly thought about the prodigal son, the lost son. And how many parents tonight, they have prayed with tears and they have stood at their window or their landing window on a Friday night. And many will do it tonight. And they're looking to see if their young daughter or their young son is on their way home. And it will be a lonely stand for some. How many will wet their, their, their pillow with their tears tonight over some wayward child breaking their heart out in the mountains wild and bare away from the tender shepherd's care. Lost as it were in the mountains. Lost as it were in the far country. And these parables have been prayed through. We've often heard, and our brother David not so long ago on one of the nights of the mission, he spoke about the angels in heaven rejoicing over one sinner that repenteth. Straight out of Luke chapter 15. We've often thought of how a, this woman searched diligently until she found, wouldn't give up. We've often quoted even other texts of scripture to explain what these parables mean. The Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which is lost. It was Robert Smith in a book called Handfuls of Purpose who said, It has pleased the Lord to use Luke chapter 15 in gospel ministry more than any other portion in the Bible excepting John 3 
and 16, unquote. And the reason why these parables were given were not left to speculation. In fact, Luke reminds us exactly the reason why these parables were given. Shortly before our Lord's arrest, trial, and crucifixion by wicked men, multitudes of people were following him. The common people heard our Lord preach gladly. And they heard the gospel from the lips of the greatest preacher that has ever walked this created mother earth of ours. And the Lord Jesus Christ, as he preached the gospel, there was an attraction in the gospel. It drew multitudes for to hear him and they heard him gladly, that is, with a ready mind and an understanding heart. And as a result of that, there were many publicans and sinners following the Lord coming to hear his word and the Pharisees and the scribes and the lawyers and the doctors they were filled with anger and rage because by their tradition not by God's commandment or law they did not mix with these type of people and they were grieved that this man who says he's the Messiah he's the king of Israel he even claims to be God's son and God himself Yet, if he were a prophet, he would know what kind of people these are and he would have nothing to do with them. And they couldn't understand how such a one could mix with such type of people, the worst kind of individuals, the outcasts of society, publicans, that's not those that own bars or whatever, publicans and sinners, wicked individuals in the eyes of the Pharisees. The Pharisees wouldn't even eat a meal with them. They wouldn't sit down with them. And if they touched some table, the Pharisees would have it washed before they'd even touch it themselves. And yet whenever they saw the Lord doing that, they accused him and they said some wicked things as they thought about him, but they were wonderful things about Christ. Because they said there, did they not? This man receiveth sinners and eateth with them. Think of it. What a compliment. It was meant to be ridicule and reproach. This man, derogatory term, didn't even call him by his name. This man receiveth sinners and he eateth with them. But what a compliment. And in order to give these individuals a rebuttal in order to give to them an answer to what they were accusing him of the Lord gave forth three of the greatest parables we have in Holy Scripture now I have often preached on the parable of the lost son I have often preached on the parable of the lost sheep but I want to single out what I feel to be the most obscure one out of them all. And the one that perhaps is not preached on as it should. The parable of the lost silver. And when you consider the rich vein of truth and counsel in the gospel. You'll understand that each one is distinct. While we know there is a principle that governs these parables. Seeking and finding something lost and precious. Yet there are wonderful truths tucked away in this middle parable, the parable of the lost coin or the lost silver. 
And I want to lift it up in the gospel. And I want to show you what the Lord is telling us and what scripture is teaching us. And I trust you'll learn the lesson well and you'll understand the rich vein of gospel truth there is in this parable. I want you to notice, first of all, from the parable of the lost silver, the dilemma of this woman's loss. If you look with me there in verse 8, it says, Either what woman, uh, having, having ten pieces of silver, if she lose one piece? What woman, losing one piece of silver? Now, we're not exactly sure what this woman lost. And I'm not here really to get into a debate what it is. There are two things that are commonly held that it is. One, it is the silver drachma coin that is the equivalent of one week's wages. If I lost 10 pence, I would search high and low for it, you know. Never mind a week's wages. Never forget my father sending me out one time. And he said, I want you to go down to a man. He was a window cleaner. He was called Tommy Mado. And he says he lives in Malcolm Road. I knew where he lived. Go to his house and I want you to ask him for the lend of one pound. The old pound notes. Do you remember them? As a few are giving away your age. Of course you do. <laughs> You're probably still using them. They're in your wallet. But he sent me down and he told me my doll put it in a brown envelope. And he put it into my pocket and I skipped home. Got into the house and it was gone. But that was my father's drinking money. For the weekend. And he said to me now son get you out there. And don't you come back to this house. Until you find that. And I searched Lurgan town. High and low. And lo and behold I found the brown envelope. But somebody had found it before me. <laughs> and they opened it. They took the money out of it. And I was left with the brown envelope. When I went home needless to say. And I'll tell you the truth. My father beat me. With a fishing rod. And the, my body bore the marks of my father's cruelty. Welts on my entire body. I've never cried as much in my life. Don't want you to feel sorry for me, by the way. But I'd share something of that in my testimony. I remember going to sleep that night, waking up the next morning. And I couldn't open my eyes. They were sealed together with the tears as they dried through the night. Never forget that. Sent out to find it. And I did. But sadly, I couldn't find it. So it was only a pound, but to him, it was the weekend's drinking money. And his son had lost it. No drink for him. And furthermore, a week's wages. If you lost a week's wages, I can guarantee you, you would not rest until you find either that check or that sum of money. So the, the silver drachma coin, it could have been. But I believe this is what it was. Whenever a young woman got married, her father gave her a headband. And that headband had ten silver pieces in it. And whenever she was out in public, that headband would be a testimony to her faithfulness to her husband. When she appeared in public, all those coins were in their place. Not one was missing. So that was a testimony that she had been faithful to her husband. Now, if she had been an unfaithful woman and she had committed adultery with another man and the husband was pleased to forgive her and she was to remain in the home, then she went about in public with a piece of that headband missing. 
so that the public would know that this woman was not faithful to her husband and her husband had shown grace to her and taken her back and a public example was made of her that she appeared in public with her headband given to her by her father with a piece missing. Now can you imagine a woman who had lost that who had been faithful to her husband? And could no longer appear in public. And if she did with a headband. Then she would be looked upon as a, a woman who had sinned against God. And was unfaithful to her husband. Any wonder this woman. Whether it was a week's wages. Or whether it was that coin in the headband. It doesn't really matter. That's not what the Lord's interested in. There's a wonderful spiritual lesson. And it's this. The coin or the silver piece was not in its intended place. It had fallen. Either from the hand. Or from the purse. Or from the headband. And now it was not in the place. That the owner. Or even the creator. Intended it to be. And this is the wonderful lesson. That the Lord is teaching us. In this parable. He is telling us. That the coin. Is no longer in the place. Where it should have been. Either in the hand or in the headband, it has fallen to the ground. And if you'll notice here, the Lord is teaching us a wonderful thought. In certain circles, they'll take this parable and they will say to you that this is nothing else but a moral and a financial lesson. You look after the pennies and the pounds will look after themselves. What a nonsense. Do you think our Lord was telling us to be very careful with money? And then if you lose money, you shouldn't be careless and not look for it. You should go after it. You should look for it and then put it to good use. Not at all. The Lord's teaching us a spiritual lesson here. He's teaching us a far greater spiritual and eternal truth here. And it's this, that the coins of humanity are not now. In their created place. They are not where God. Who created man in the beginning. Intended them to be. They were meant to be in a high. And a holy place. They were never created. To lie on the dirt. And in the floor. They were never created. To fall to the ground. And lie in the dust. And remember when God. Created Adam and he sinned. He fell. He brought all the coins of humanity with them in that fall. And as a result of that, listen to me. As a result of that, the coins of humanity, a lost mankind, they're not in the place God intended for them when God created you. When God created mankind, when God created me, he created us for fellowship with himself. For communion with the Most High. He created us for fellowship eternally with himself. He created us for his glory. That he might communicate the riches of his knowledge and wisdom. That we might have the life and the enjoyment of our maker forever. But when Adam sinned in the garden. He was representing all the coins of humanity. And when he fell, he fell from a high and holy and exalted position down into a much lower position that the creator and the owner 
never intended the coins of humanity to be. And you notice from this parable in verse 8 that the, the coin was lost in the dirt. Do you see that? It tells us in verse 8, she swept the house. Now unless it's a house that hasn't been looked after, you will not find too many houses like we have here because they're just earthen floors. There are no carpets in those days. There are no lovely wooden floors or tile floors or if you want to go back many years ago, the old lino was down. No, there was nothing like that. It was just Mother Earth. And whenever you came in, it was hard and clay. But when you came in, your feet would have moved a little bit of dust. And every so often, the woman would have to take a broom and sweep that house because of all the loose dirt. And the coin was lying somewhere in that dust and in that dirt. And the Lord is showing us from this parable where the coins of humanity are today. Without God, without Christ, without salvation, they've fallen into the dirt, into the dust. And so with all mankind in Adam, they have fallen from their exalted created position to a much lower position. And the Bible says that we're now in the dust and in the dirt and in the defilement of sin if we're not saved. And God never intended you to be there. God never created man for that place or that position. God created man for a higher place and a greater position. But sin has lowered man and sin always brings a person down. And now mankind, the coins of humanity, are lying in the dirt and defilement of sin. They're not in the place where they should be. Did you not realize the Lord's telling you something? He's teaching you a wonderful lesson now. That you, a lost soul, a lost sinner, you're lost in the dirt. And in the defilement of sin. And furthermore if you look at this parable in verse 8. It's not only lost in the dirt but lost in the darkness. Look what it says in verse 8. She lit a candle. Doth light a candle. She had to go searching for this coin. That was buried in the dust of the ground. And in the darkness. And here's the thing. The Lord is teaching us a wonderful spiritual lesson. Sinners are not only fallen and they're not only in the dust and in the dirt and defilement of sin, but they're in the dark. That means they don't even see their need to be saved. They don't see themselves as sinners. They're blind. They're in the dark spiritually. What a lesson the Lord's teaching. I'm telling you now, you would not get a richer vein of gospel truth, but in this little parable tucked away, in this parable the Lord gave, he is bringing forth some great eternal truths. Sinners are not in their created place now. They are fallen in Adam into the defilement and darkness of sin. Sin blinds the sinner they no longer can see the holiness and righteousness of God they cannot even perceive the hell that awaits them at the, at the end of a sinful life they do not understand their need to be saved they're blind they're in the dark and unless God comes with the light now I'm saying this to you I believe in this parable more than the other two we see what is called the sovereignty of God and salvation. Where the Lord takes the initiative. 
where salvation as its author and finisher is Christ and Christ alone. Because the coin is passive. The coin is inactive. It lies there and will lie there forever unless it's searched for and found. Do you see what the Lord is telling us? That unless Christ comes to seek the sinner, the sinner will never seek Christ. Unless Christ comes and takes the initiative and begins to shed the light into your soul and to bring gospel truth your way, to enlighten your mind and to shine the light of the glorious gospel of Christ into your heart, you'll never be saved. And when God is doing that, that's the time you need to be saved and act upon it. When the Lord shines the light of truth into your soul, that's the time he's actively working with you. Because it's called striving of the Spirit. When a man or woman begins to understand in some measure they're sinners. I'm telling you now, this preacher does not put that there. The Spirit of God does. If you have any light at all to see that you're a sinner and you're lost, And you're on a collision course with the judgment of God. I'm telling you, like the parable, the Lord has come with the light. The Lord has come to the darkness of your sin to shine the light of truth. And when the Lord's doing that, that's the time you need to act. That's the time you need to respond to the gospel. And if you refuse that and reject that and do not come to Christ, the Bible says, my spirit shall not always strive with men. We could say of this parable, the light will not always be shone into your heart. You notice it's not only lost in the dirt and in the darkness, but look there at verse 8, it's lost in the dwelling, in the house. It's not like the sheep. The sheep is lost in the mountains, wild and bare. It's not like the sun. The sun has left the home. The sun has gone into the far country. This coin is lost in the dwelling. And I'm convinced the Lord's teaching us something here. One, because sinners can be as lost in God's house as they are in a public house tonight. Just as lost in a godly home than they are in an ungodly home. It could be that there's someone here tonight And you're sitting in this mission and you're not saved. And I'm telling you now, you're just as lost as those that are sitting in a public house tonight. Or dancing the night away in some nightclub. Or sinning away their soul in the pleasure houses of this world. Or sitting in their own home, drinking their wine and their beer, watching television. Or doing some other evil act. I'm telling you now, in God's house, you're just as lost. The coin didn't need to be in the far country. The coin didn't need to be on the mountains wild and bare. It was in the house. Lost in the dirt. Lost in the dark. Lost in the dwelling. Any wonder we have said. We've looked at the dilemma of this woman's loss. Moving on very quickly. Think of the diligence of this woman's search. Look what she says in verse 8. And I love this. Here's the heart and genius of the gospel. Look at verse 8. She seeks diligently till she find it. Do you see that? Now remember the Lord's talking about himself here. While he's using the woman in the illustration, he's talking about himself. 
And when he uses these words, he's speaking of himself. Search diligently till it's found. The coin was not ignored by its owner. The coin was not forgotten by the one who owned it. Rather, it was precious to this woman in the parable. And the Lord highlights the fact that she did not let it go. That she was not careless. She was not indifferent. She did not ignore the fact that it was lost. She did not leave it where it was. No, she became active in the search for this coin. She swept the house. She lit a candle. And she looked and searched diligently until she found it. My little boy, youngest one, when he was a child, he, he would have gone round and his little party piece was about the lost coin. And uh, she lost it. She lost it. And then, I just can't remember it all, I meant to write it out here, but wherever could it be? Under the carpet, is that the one? Uh, all over the floor. Where else was it? Jude, give us it, give us there quickly. <laughs> Into the cupboard. And all over the floor. And by the door. They all rang, you see, I'll just throw it in for, nobody else seems to know it. <laughs> and then she found it. She found it. How happy she could be. How happy are the children. That are found by thee. And so the Lord speaking about himself. They see the loss of the coin was not felt by the coin. No doubt the animal had some emotion. Some fear. Some sense of loneliness. Some sense of not being where it should be. Without a shadow of a doubt because of the human intelligence and the creation of man. The son realized at some point in his life. That he was lost. But the coin hadn't a clue. Totally passive. It just lay there. And it never would have moved. It never would have come to the woman. It never would have gone seeking for its owner. And here I believe. Is the genius of the gospel. Here is the glory of our God. He did not leave the lost coins of humanity. In the dirt. And in the dark. But he left heaven. He came into this world. The light of this world. To bring light to darkness. To bring salvation to sinners. To bring hope to those. Who are hopeless. To bring help to them. That are helpless. To save them. Who needed to be saved. And the Bible tells me here. That the coin was precious to this woman. And it was of value and worth to this woman. And when it was lost. She searched diligently. Till she found it. And here is the love of God. For the lost coins of humanity. Here is Christ's active working love. That took him from heaven to earth. To live a sinlessly perfect life. And on the cross. He would die as the sinner's substitute. Christ did not sit idly by in heaven. Awaiting some sinners seeking him. And when a few sinners would seek him over the centuries. He would save them. I don't like it. And I'm glad our sister when she came to sing. Had a message in her song. I don't like some who come and they sing. About a God who is weak. I remember two people coming to my own church. Or in a mission. And they sung about the Lord. The Lord was in heaven. You might even know the song. The Lord was in heaven and he was breaking his heart over people who would not come to him. And at the end of the song, do you know how you felt? You felt like going up to the Lord and putting your arm around him 
and telling the Lord, well, at least I love you, Lord, if no one else does. Listen, my God needs no sympathy. My God needs no pity. He does not need the tears of mankind. He even said that to the daughters of Jerusalem. And he says, daughters of Jerusalem, weep not for me. Weep for yourselves and for your children and for what's coming on Jerusalem. I don't need your tears. I don't need your sympathy. I don't need your pity. I go to the cross in the fullness of my strength. And I know what I'm doing. And this is the divine will of the Father. And I will carry it out. Nothing will stop me. Finding the coins of a lost humanity. Nothing will stop me. In my search for lost souls. And I will find them. And I will lift them. And bring them back into the created place. And I will save them. And I will cleanse them. And I will bring them to heaven at the last. You see the Lord left heaven. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. And just like this woman in the parable, the Lord searched until he found the coins. So Christ never rested until he finished the work of saving the lost coins of humanity. Until he had made a full atonement for the sins of his people. Until Christ, in his sovereign act of grace, Saved all those that repent and believe on him for salvation. Just like this woman in the parable who spurred no pains. She lit a candle. She swept the house clean. She searched diligently in that pile of dirt and dust until she found the coin. So Christ spurred no pain to save sinners like you and me. He lovingly suffered the just for the unjust that he might bring you to God. He took the sinner's place. He died for sinners. And as a result of that, he shed his royal blood. It means to pour out your life in sacrificial death that sinners like you and I might be saved. And he finished the work. Never rested until he cried, it is finished. And the Lord has finished the work. He has found the coin that was lost. And he's come to carry Duff in this mission. To seek and to save sinners. And while you have been busy. And you have been active. And you have been seeking for the lost. Isn't it good to know the Lord has been there before you. The Lord has been there already. And he's seeking out that loved one. And he's seeking out that sinner. And that one you're burdened for. And that one I'm praying for. The Lord is interested in that coin. And he will sweep the house. And he will light the candle. And he will search diligently. Until that coin is found. Is it nothing to you tonight? That Christ left heaven. And came down to earth. Is it nothing to you? He lived a sinlessly perfect life. Does it mean nothing to you that Christ died on the cross? That he poured out his life in sacrificial death for sinners like you and me? Is it nothing to you? The dilemma of her loss. We think of the diligence of her search. But finally, the delight in this woman's find. In verses 9 and 10, we not go into all the detail, but it speaks about Uh, rejoicing in the presence of the angels over one sinner that repenteth. 
In order just to use this last point as a conclusion, it's clear that the Lord now is linking repentance with eternal happiness. Now I know a sinner is not saved on the ground of repentance alone. I never would make repentance a work that saves the soul. I realize repentance brings the sinner into the experience of the pardoning work of Christ. It's repentance that brings the sinner to experience the joy of sins forgiven. And the Lord lays a great emphasis here that there's rejoicing in the presence of the angels and there's no doubt rejoicing in the heart of a lost sinner when they repent of their sin because sin is the source of all misery and unhappiness in this world. Sin is the reason why there's depression in your life. Sin is the reason why there's chaos in your life. Sin is the reason why you and I feel miserable quite often. Sin is the reason why you and I are not always happy. Sin is the reason why you and I have trouble and difficulty and our plans do not go according to what we want. And the reason for it is we're living in a sinful world. And there's no happiness because of sin. And even in our most blissful moment. And whenever we're enjoying the Lord. There's always going to be something. That will dampen that joy. Or kill that enthusiasm. Because we're living in a wicked. And in a sinful world. And could I say it to you. The only way to happiness. Is repentance from sin. The only way for you. To find true happiness. Is to leave your sin and to seek the Lord and to come to Christ. And here I believe the Lord changes the emphasis from God's sovereignty. The Lord coming to seek and to save. To man's responsibility. For it says a sinner who repented. Here I believe the Lord is changing the emphasis entirely from his sovereignty and salvation. To the responsibility of every lost sinner to repent. And does not Paul say of God that he commandeth all men everywhere to repent? He has appointed a day in which he will judge this world in righteousness by that man whom he hath ordained. And he has given us proof of that in that he's raised him from the dead. <clears throat> and now the Lord commands everyone to repent. You know he does not suggest that we repent. The Lord commands. Maybe you didn't realize that. It's not something you can say, well, I'll think about it. I'll take it or leave it. Well, I just decide when I want to decide. No, the Bible tells me God commandeth. It's a command that must be obeyed. You don't take it or leave it tonight. You don't say, well, I'll think about it tonight. You must obey that command. We do not serve a God who is passive, who gives a command and doesn't care. I'm saying to you now, we serve one who is Lord. One who is God. One who must be obeyed. One who when he commands. He expects the sinner. To obey that command. And God commandeth. But you know what it says. God commandeth every man. Everywhere to repent. You see the text. Puts a circle around us all doesn't it. You can't escape that circle. The Lord puts the circle around us all. Every man, everywhere, to repent. It's the command. And alongside it goes the other command. Repent, 
and believe the gospel. And so the command is given. And guess who what it says? God commanded. It's not man. It's not a church. It's the Lord. And it's all men everywhere. And furthermore, the word now is used in that text in, in Acts 17. God commandeth all men everywhere. Now he commands it. Now. Not Sunday night. Not a next week in the mission. Not at some other time when you're alone and you're in your bedroom and you're thinking more about these things. But tonight the Lord commands sinners to repent, to seek the Lord. And even if you're a backslider, the command is binding on you. You've got to repent of your backsliding and you've got to return to the Lord just as the sinner must seek the Lord. And furthermore, does not the Bible tell us here that it's a solemn command is appointed a day? And in the light of that day, the judgment day, God commands all men everywhere to repent. There's coming a day when God will make insurrection for sin and he will search out the hearts of men. There's coming a time when the Lord will judge sin. And in the light of that day, before it happens, God in grace, love and mercy commands men to repent, to turn from their sin. And to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ who died on the cross to make satisfaction for sin. To pay the price that sinners might be saved. I'm glad tonight that in this house there's a seeking saviour. And there's a saviour who has come to carry duff. To seek and to save that which is lost. And I trust tonight as the light of gospel truth is shone into your heart. That you not allow the devil to extinguish it. You not allow your sin to dampen it. And I trust that tonight you will recognize your need of a saviour. That saviour is Christ and Christ alone. That you may turn from your sin and receive him. Now as your own and personal saviour. And if you're cold at heart or if you're backslidden at a distance from the Lord. It's been a long time from you heard his voice. A long time from you have had an answer to your prayers. A long time. From you have known the presence of the Lord. That he's with you. Mm -hmm. He's with you. Did you hear his voice today? Did he speak to you? Did you hear what he said? Did he answer your prayers? Did you speak to him? Were you conscious? The Lord's with me. Well if not it could be. For a long time, you've been cold at heart, mm-hmm. far from God. Yeah. Do you know I like to lay my head on the pillow at night <clears throat> and say this one thing. I have walked with God today. Can you, can you say that? Mm-hmm. Even child of God, can you say that? Mm-hmm. If not, you don't have to raise your hand in these meetings. That's right. You don't have to come to the front or be escorted out publicly. Mm-hmm. But just in the confines of your own heart. Return unto me. For I have redeemed thee. And he'll forgive you. Cleanse you. Don't even have to tell us. And I mean that. So long as you get right. And you walk right. And you continue to go on with him. That's all that really counts. We're not here to broadcast any person's name. Or any event. The Lord has all the glory. Better him having the glory. Perhaps privately between you and him. Better than publicly. Your name broadcast so that men can glory. I trust the Lord will seek and save and restore this very night. Father in heaven.
We pray now thou wouldst bless the ministry of thy word to Amen, every heart. Lord. We pray that thou wouldst be pleased to work it in, yeah. to back it home, to burn it in, to bless it for thine eternal glory. We pray, Lord, for those perhaps who are out of Christ without a Saviour, or even those that perhaps are cold at heart. May this be the night the Lord works by his Spirit. Lord, hear and answer prayer. We offer it believing in Jesus' precious and worthy name. Amen. Amen.